All right. So thanks, everybody, for joining us. It is 10.22 on the erotically charged Star Trek call of a Saturday night from Free Domain Radio. And um, I just, uh, uh, I'm going to just give a very short review of the film, uh, of the, I'm going to try and capture the essence of the film, and then you can uh, uh, give me your thoughts on it. So basically the film goes like this. End credits. And uh, if you've sort of put that on a loop for about two hours and uh, put enough electrical impulses to your eye sockets to cause seizures throughout the coast of Japan, uh, you pretty much have the, the Star Trek experience of, I guess this one is Star Trek Eleven. And uh, the 11, uh, two vertical, they're like two uh, fingers being held up, <laughs> two index fingers being held up in the classic gesture from J.J. Abrams, who actually I think has done some, I, I quite enjoyed the Alias television series that he did. Um, Lost to me is okay, he does that as well. Uh, I just find that Lost is a pretty good description of where my brain is while watching the show. But uh, it is, uh, yeah, it's... Uh, <laughs> It's pretty rough. And I, I mean, I went in trying to, uh, you know, I, I can find meaning in, in, in a coconut hair, right? Uh, but, uh, and I was sitting there and I could feel my metaphor brain, right? My metaphor brain was doing something like this, you know? My metaphor brain was like, oh, this shows how people who are misfits and rebels end up joining a hierarchy because they're rebels, because they're so afraid of authority that then when they become the authority, they become dictators. And, and then it was, you know, and, I, and, and so I tried that. And then it was like, Oh, so the tattoo-faced Romulan bald head, he wants to kill the Federation because he thinks the Federation killed his homeworld. That's a metaphor for, uh, you know, how we have the America has this destructive foreign policy which destroys other people's lives. So then they want to come back and destroy us, and that even includes the torture scene and so on, right? And I was really like I was striving to put this stuff together, and uh, at some point, you know, my the entire metaphor center in my brain just went. Oh, fuck it. It's too noisy. <laughs> so I'm not even going to try. And uh, that was pretty much the experience for me. So um, that was it for me. Uh, if anybody else has thoughts, I have a few more thoughts. But that was uh, for those who've seen it. Um, I, I, I mean, the, the logic, the logic. I mean, dear God in heaven. I mean, if, if Spock is supposed to be so superiously logical, then the script should have touched his hands and blown it right off or hacked it off like Darth Vader with Luke Skywalker's digits. I mean, sweet mother of all that's heaven, as soon as you throw time travel in, nothing makes any sense, uh, clearly. Uh, and that's true of Lost, and that's true of of, of Star Trek. But uh, even this um, this mining ship, right? This this mining ship, because uh, the Romulans, I can't remember, N N Nemo or Nero, whatever, Finding Nemo, um, the Romulan was supposed to it was a mining ship, right? And uh, it mines from space by dropping this big mosquito proboscis down to the Earth's core or whatever, right? And, and uh, <laughs> it just makes no sense. Why, oh why, is a mining ship armed to the teeth uh, with every conceivable weapon and defensive thing that can take on an entire Starfleet, right? Uh, that's like sort of saying that the... Um, uh, the Somali pirate vessels, quote, pirate vessels should be able to take on the entire U.S. Navy because or, or some uh, some tanker sh shipping oil uh, or some oil derrick should be able to take on the entire 
navies of the world, right? I mean, it's just a little mining ship or a big mining ship. Why on earth would it have all this weaponry? Um, why do they need to fly down to this? Because uh, the, they, they jump out of the... Uh, um, oh, yeah, I love that, right? So they, they jump out of the uh, spaceship. Uh, the, the, the guy from... Uh, Sulu and uh, and uh, Kirk and some guy who goes splat and then burn, they jump out of a spaceship and they are rocketing down in little spacesuits, like there's going. I mean, isn't isn't that the kind of reentry that caused the entirely sealed shuttle to to rip off its tiles and blow up and and smoke and all that? I mean, that I'm sort of waiting for that to happen. You know, like hey, they're kind of coming in pretty quickly here, and uh, why wouldn't they just uh, shoot the Shoot the mining proboscis, right? I mean, they did. Spock did that later anyway, so why not just shoot it? Why do you have to go down and have a sword fight of all things? Oh. <laughs> anyway, it's just all too silly for words. And, uh, yeah, I just I just found it... Uh, uh, it was just it was basically just like having tasers applied directly to my neocortex as far as the stimulation went. Um, I, um, I went and just... I put uh, stuff in my ears, which was... Early on, I was like, oh, okay, I'm going to put this stuff in my ears, like some some padding in my ears, because uh, the movie is so loud. And then I was like, oh, but now here's a quiet bit. I'm missing the dialogue because I can't hear it as well with that stuff in my ears. And then later it was like, hey, it's really good that I can't hear the dialogue because... I mean, it was pretty much ripped off from earlier Star Trek movies. Uh, Everybody yelled all the time. Um, Spock's nose is enormous. Like, I was just looking at details like that. Um, and he actually, uh, Leonard Nimoy is looking more and more, and I think it's actually eerily like one of those Easter Island statues, if you've ever seen them. They're just, it really is quite astounding. And he makes Lance Hendrickson look like Zac Efron. Anyway, um, as far as aging goes. <laughs> but it just, and uh, to me, the best part was, and this, this, you know, you just know the writers are just like, oh, fuck the logic. Let's, how the hell do we get Leonard Nimoy in? Because we need to get the diehards in, right? I know. Let's have him wait in an ice cave <laughs> for no reason whatsoever. Let's have him wait in an ice cave with a brand, a, a flaming stick, uh, to scare off uh, something that looks like uh, your lower intestines trying to eat you that's going after uh, Kirk. And uh, I just thought that was like, oh, I've just been hanging around in this ice cave. Why? I don't know. It's just what I do. And um, last but not least, uh, we did have a very effective view of government uh, because uh, as the planet Vulcan was being completely destroyed, um, they, the, the entire government of Vulcan was just standing in a circle. I don't know if it was a circle jerk or what the hell they were doing, but they were just standing in a circle doing absolutely nothing whatsoever until Spock comes in and yanks them by their ear to get them out. And I thought that was you know, a pretty effective metaphor for what government does in terms of a crisis or just about any other time. But, um, yeah, I just thought and, – and the other thing, too, is like um, how, how did they get past Vulcan defenses, right? I mean, they didn't – you know, Vulcan just sits there and lets people drill to the core of its planet with no defenses whatsoever, where they're supposed to be this amazingly logical and warlike race. Um, anyway, so it was basically, it, it had all of the intellectual and artistic sensitivity of a roller coaster on acid. And I, <laughs> it's just like, as soon as it was over, it was just like, ah, I felt like it's just being pummeled by fists of light and CGI for two hours. And everybody was just yelling all the time. <laughs> Anyway, that's my my two cents worth. But um, what uh, what did you guys think? 
Oh, we we couldn't like agree with you more. It was just like the plot just hinged on unbelievable coincidence after unbelievable coincidence. Like um Captain Kirk just happened to be marooned on this planet right next to where future Spock was. And it was oh, just man. Like, yeah. <laughs> I just, I can't for the life of me understand why this movie is so well received. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I, I really, I couldn't tell you. I mean, how, how was the audience when you were, uh, when you were watching it? They were cheering afterwards, like louder than I've ever heard anybody cheer for a movie. It was like... Is that right? Absurd. Yeah. Wow. Was Spock topless in your version? Uh, maybe <laughs> we saw a different version. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I just don't get it. And, uh, <laughs> I mean, uh, Kirk, Kirk is... I don't know if they were parodying him or whatever, but... The, the, the guy's hair didn't move the entire film. <laughs> it's like a chia pet that, that's been fossilized. I mean, it, it did like even after he's been beaten up, thrown off spaceship platforms and so on, right? He comes back and is like, whoosh, perfect gel, you know? I just thought that was, I don't know, very strange. Now, because I, I don't remember the original Star Trek too well, did Spock and Uhuru have a thing? No, that was completely new. That was new, right? I was no, I, I, seriously, I, the dialogue was so bad. I was literally waiting for him to say something like, our ears aren't the only thing that's pointy. Like, that's, that's where I was expecting the movie to go. But uh, fortunately, I didn't quite go that low. There was um, one of the iconic scenes, supposedly iconic scenes in the, in the original series Star Trek is where uh, Kirk and Uhura have, you know, share an on-screen kiss. It was supposed to be this big thing, you know, back in the 60s. Oh, the first interracial so. kiss, right? Yeah, on, uh, yeah, first uh, on screen in television, right? So, so I mean, that was like I don't know if that has anything to do with it or um, or what, but or is it because the uh, Spock is supposed to represent all the engineering geeks who don't get out of Mama's basement that you know the exotic club girl falls for them, uh, and uh, that's supposed to draw them into that fantasy life? Life, I don't know. Very strange. I don't know. But at least we got to see Kirk getting it on with a green alien. I mean, that was... Uh, That's also another... <laughs> yeah, it seemed like it was... A lot of the film was just, like, really constructed on having all these, like, fan-pleasing moments. And... Yeah, yeah, and it's, it's become a little too self-referential for my tastes. Um, that's the all problem these with nods. stuff. Sorry? I'm sorry. I was going to say, all, the, all these nods to the original series, basically. Yeah. Um, and there was this one person that we didn't have applause at, my, at the theater I was at, um, or sorry, we didn't have cheering at the theater I was at. There was some applause at the end of it. Um, but, uh, there was one person next to me who kept laughing every single time they made a reference. <sighs> it's like, oh boy. Uh, now, you know, every time have, cause I, I sort of, sorry, I remember when I, I vividly remember when I went to go and see the very first Star Trek film, I, I got there kind of late with a friend of mine and we were sitting down in front and, um, uh, I can't remember why, but I turned around at one point and it literally was this, you know, back before contacts became big, it was literally an entire sea of glasses all the way up to the projection room, <laughs> which I thought was kind of funny. That wasn't the case so much here. Although some, some mom brought her like five year old to come and see this film, which I thought was not particularly a great idea because, you know, it's kind of intense, right? Yeah. 
That wouldn't be my first choice for a movie with a five-year-old. No, no, indeed. And I, I, couldn't, I couldn't follow the plot very well. Um, so uh, can I just step through it and, and you all can let me know if I got it or not? Because I, I kind of gave up a little while through just going, okay, so they need some excuse for some people to get slammed into a wall again. So let's go with that. But was uh. it that uh, in the future, Spock was supposed to stop a supernova that was going to blow up the galaxy? Yes, sort of. Now, supernovas, of course, can't travel faster than the speed of light. The galaxies are hundreds of thousands of light years across, so they'd have some time, right? Right, but it's the planet Romulus um, in particular, right? I, I think it was just supposed to be the Romulan sun, and he was to, supposed to uh, prevent that from happening, and he got there too late. So the same as the Vulcan, planet Vulcan not having any defenses, it would mean that planet Romulus doesn't have any spaceship or any technology to do anything useful. Um, but it wasn't the Romulan sun, right? It was just a supernova, yes. right? It, it was the Romulan sun was about to go supernova. That's what I got, at least. Okay, okay. No, so I, 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 don't, I, don't, no I don't think it was the Romulan Sorry to interrupt. I don't, because he, he just said a supernova. A star went supernova and was going to consume the uh, galaxy. I'm pretty sure it was the Romulan sun. Well, even if, if it wasn't... The Romulan sun was about to go supernova. Even if it wasn't... Um, these people are advanced space travelers and explorers and all this business, advanced know, technology. Right? You know, they would they would know if a sun near a planet was going to go supernova, like probably 200, 300 years before it even happened. Oh, more. And also, before a sun goes supernova, it collapses in on itself, right? They'd, they'd kind of notice that the lights went out, right? <laughs> they'd notice, and that takes quite some time, right? So, uh, so sure, the yeah. supernova thing just seemed kind of silly, and uh, uh, Spock... Was the, they just sent one guy, like one guy, to go and deal with the supernova that's going to consume the galaxy? What, did everyone else have a tea party to go to? Uh, sorry, I'm busy that night. Uh, I've got some other stuff on the go. I got some pasta in the, in the oven. I mean, like one guy in a spaceship goes with this uh, red matter um, and doesn't get there in time. And then the and- freaking huge ball of red matter, too. But it's not that he doesn't get there in time. It's that the red matter consumes the Romulan planet. No, it was, a supernova, it was a supernova that consumed because so he was supposed to put his big red balls in the supernova. <laughs> Let me rephrase that. Um, <laughs> now, he was because he was supposed to the supernova was exploding and he was supposed to use the red ball to make it not so bad. Right. But then he didn't get there in time and it, it consumed the Romulan planet. Right. You, you notice he used the same amount of red matter that was used uh, to to basically destroy the, the the planet. Why the hell did he have a sphere over a meter in diameter of this stuff that was so highly destructive? I don't know. Um, so there are sequels. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, <laughs> no, it all it all got consumed. But so the so the so then the mining ship of the Romulan guy uh, who didn't age, right? So the 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 Romulan guy. Was uh, came back and say, "Hey, there's just no, there's no planet here," uh, and Spock is zipping away in his little revolving Zippo lighter thing, right? That's and so he said, "Oh, Spock must have destroyed the planet because maybe he didn't notice that there was a huge frickin' supernova a little to the left of him, right?" Something like that, yeah. I that, mean, that is... tell me, tell me if I'm wrong. No, I think, and then Spock sort of is like, "Oh, you know, it was my fault, Jim. I did not save the the planet, right?" 
but he knew that uh, uh, he knew that uh, there was a supernova, right? That's kind of hard to miss. Yeah. And if you're close oh, enough to see guy? Spock, uh, if you're close enough to see Spock zipping away, you're close enough to see this supernova, right? Yeah. No. Of course. Uh, so in the year, so somebody just quoted from Wikipedia in the year 2387, the galaxy is threatened by a supernova. Ambassador Spock pilots a ship carrying red matter that can create a gravitational singularity. I love this stuff. They just make it up. Drawing a supernova into a black hole before Spock completes his mission, the planet Romulus is destroyed, destroyed, destroyed. So I don't think it was um, the Romulan supernova. It doesn't. I mean, and, and you know, whether it was it or wasn't, it's not particularly important because if it's close enough to. Romulus, you know, I think we already talked, we already covered this. Close enough to Romulus to, uh, to 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 destroy the planet when it goes supernova, they'd know. You know, now, they'd know like, yeah, 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 they would know. know. So, so, uh, so, did how did the Romulan end up going back in time? I missed that part. He went through a black hole. Oh, so Spock's matter, his red matter, produced a black hole, right? Mm-hmm. I guess you're stopping the supernova from consuming even more. Right. Okay. Uh, and um, uh, so then he went back 25 years in time, and then he started looking for Spock. Is that right? No, he went back further in time than that. He went back because, uh, you know, Spock was like way old, you know? Um, oh, yeah, yeah. Way, way older than he would have been. And Vulcan's supposed to have like a 200-year lifespan or something. That's like the, I think, something like that. Um and he he so he they went back to in time to basically when Kirk was twenty five, you know before yeah. you know way 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 before the original series you know ever started. Right. Okay. Um, actually, no, no, they went back in time when Kirk was born. Right. And oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's then right. Nero, then this Nero guy waits around for twenty five years. You know. Well, he's not waiting. He's looking for Spock, right? Right. Yeah. No, you're right. Well, he's waiting for Spock, but yeah, yeah, that's true. Now, yeah, because uh, Spock went in uh, several seconds after Nero, but because of this time dilation thing, it only came 25 years after Nero. But Spock was uh, was in Nero's universe because he was a kid who was beating up other kids, right? Uh, that would have been that would have been after the time travel in, in right. the plot. Right, right, okay, but but the, the guy is around when Kirk is born, and Kirk and Spock are born roughly the same time, right? Yeah, it looks like it. Yeah, it looks right. Like, looks so, like to, yeah, so uh, more or less. So, yeah, I yeah, guess yeah. another thing that's confusing to me is that if this crazy Romulan guy is looking for a fellow named Spock, and Spock's dad is on the planetary, his mom and his dad are on the planetary council of elders of the Vulcans, isn't that like wondering if there's some person called Jenna Bush out there? I think he wanted the. And this is this is just speculation, but I think what it, he wanted the elder Spock to be the one to suffer, because you know. But then he's but the elder Spock is easy to find because he's he's like he's not hiding in a cave like like in an ice cave waiting for Spock, uh, Kirk to come along, because he's like the planet leader, right? Or he's on the planetary council, so he'd be very easy to find, right? I'm sorry, I meant the time travel older Spock, not not his dad. No, I'm talking about the Romulan who's looking to find Spock. Oh, gosh. Okay, so... Because um, the Romulan says, like, do you know where Spock is, right? He says that to to 
the the bald guy who goes over at the very beginning before he kills him. He says, do you know where Spark is, right? And it's like, yeah, Spark runs Vulcan, right? I mean... Oh, oh, I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. Okay, sorry. It's easy to find, right? Yeah, yeah. The way I understood is what happened is he wasn't out there looking for Spock. He was waiting for his ship to pass through in the black hole. Like he was just sitting there for 25 years waiting for him. And it took like his ship. He said it it took my ship about like three seconds to come through, but it took him 25 years of waiting for me. But he was looking for, I thought the whole bit at the beginning was he got the captain, the bald captain that he then killed. He got him over there to say where's Spock, right? I thought that was him kind of hanging out, waiting for Spock to come through the black hole. Oh, yeah. Then he asked what the star date was, right? So he may not even have known that he went into the past at that point. But right. sorry, this is where the time travel stuff always gets confusing. But Spock did live in the time that the Romulan had come back in time to see. And his father, well, his father lived and his father was uh, um, the president of Vulcan, right? Right, but I think that Spock is the first name, not the family name. If that makes a little, uh, a minor a bit of amount more sense. You mean that every six billion Vulcans, there's only one? Oh, it's like, it's like James or, or Bob or something. It's the first name? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Ah, okay. I mean, I could be wrong on that. It could just be this, this, this movie retconned it, but... Well, but I mean, uh, if he knew, and, and how did he know it was Spock running away? From the planet that blew up. Oh, okay. Well, I don't have an answer to that. <laughs> oh, uh, sorry. I'm just going to have to check on Izzy. I'll be back in just a flash. Talk about sure, yourselves. Sure. Anyone have... Um, I had an emotional response after the film. I actually walked out of the theater feeling pretty depressed. Um, I'm not sure if it's because the film itself was depressing or something else. Anyone else have a similar sort of experience or No? I think I just kind of fogged when I saw it because everyone around me really liked it and I didn't, so I just you know, self erased so I wouldn't be the one guy like that movie sucked. <laughs> like you guys are all wrong. Huh. Hmm. I mean, I thought I thought there were a couple of kind of funny bits, but you know, for the most part, it was like the first, the very beginning, it was like just this ball peen hammer to the emotional aspect with his the the the, the father dying, and you know, was that was that Kirsten that. Dunst who played the mom? Somebody, somebody, I, I couldn't place the face. I didn't recognize the name. That was Winona Ryder. That no. was no. That, that was Spock's mother, right? Oh, Dude, were you sorry, Steph? Were you talking about Spock's or Kirk, Kirk's mother? Kirk's mom. I don't know. It was someone I've recognized though? All right. I'm gonna just uh, find it here. Who was the actress who made the Kirk's mom? Oh, it's the woman who plays Cameron on House. Oh, that's why she was so familiar. Yeah, uh, okay. Thank God for the internet. Yes. But uh, yeah, I must say that uh, I uh I was uh I was 
just a little disappointed uh, in um, uh, in the movie. <laughs> I just thought, oh man. Um, although I will say, I will say one thing. I will say one thing that I thought was good about the film and actually quite interesting, uh, which was that um, you could really see how acting standards have changed uh, even in the past couple of decades. Like if you if you if you look at movies that were made in the um, you know like the 1940s or the 1950s, I, I can't, Christina can't watch them because she she you know the actress the the actors are all like hey ha 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 you know and the, the women are all like yeah they're not natural at all right it seems very mannered or very affected and uh, that's true even up until the sort of 50s early 60s Brando comes along and the whole mumbling and naturalism comes in. But um, uh, looking at the, um, uh, I thought the acting, you know, given what they had to work with, I thought the actors were actually pretty good. And uh, I thought it was actually quite naturalistic uh, in, in the, like he stammered and he, he was sort of, uh, the, the guy who played Kirk was, was pretty naturalistic. Um, and uh, I thought that was actually good. I thought it was very interesting to see how the, um, the acting standards had changed uh, since the first series uh, came out. It's better acting. Yeah, I, I would agree. I think that was the only thing I thought of that was... It was sort of weird to see miniskirts in in a movie because you just don't see them that much anymore, right? Like all the nurses and they all had miniskirts in. It's like, last time I was at a hospital, it didn't quite look like that. Yeah, I noticed that part too when all the cadets were being deployed. Yeah, you saw you saw Deploy a lot of legs. Leg. <laughs> That's you right, saw a lot of leg. <laughs> yeah, and you know what? What that is is like some casting directors like, well, this movie's going to be shit to to make because it's so bad. But hey, let's have some fun legs casting calls. You know, <laughs> mini skirts. I thought that was a nod to the '60s as well. Yeah, I think it was. I think it was. I just, I just thought it was pretty funny. Nod. It was more like, you know, shaking their head back and forth until it fell off. That was quite the nod. <laughs> right. No, I was waiting for people to break into the Watusi at one point. It really did have that <laughs> 60s feel to it. And I also thought it was interesting um, <clears throat> how, I mean, <laughs> Kirk just left, right? I mean, he's got this. I guess his mom, right, was there and his mom had raised him and so on. And he's like, go to outer space tomorrow morning at 8 a.m. And he's like, sure. <laughs> right? I mean, there's no mom driving him goodbye. He's just on the invisible wheel motorcycle cruising up, right? And uh, I thought that was a pretty um, undeveloped bit. I mean, they could have a little bit of something, you know, like bye mom or whatever. I mean, she opened up the whole film. This is true. Although his mom disappeared, like his mom is, quote, off planet, right? Uh, uh, well, not, not, not in that scene, but in the scene before when he was 15 years old driving the, quote, antique. Yeah. And what was up with that cop? I've, I, I've never seen that. And to the best of my knowledge, in uh, any Star Trek, uh, this the 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 faceless you know one-eyed cop. Martin oh, says it's a robot, but it was just that was creepy. Yeah, it was a little creepy for sure. I I don't know. I, I don't know. I guess they just 
I don't know. Is this the Riddle in general? I mean, I hate to sound all kind of old codgery and all that, but uh, what? Uh, I mean, is this the Riddle in generation? Like, can they just not go three minutes without some hyperkinetic speedball of a chase scene or a fight scene or something like that? Yeah, I mean, it kind of like it really loses its impact, you know, after the first 20 minutes or so. I mean, like, there were so many scenes that were just like, oh, no, are they going to make it or not? Like, narrow escape. But it just, I mean, the suspense is gone after, like, the second time that you do that, you know? <laughs> well, it's hard to keep the suspense up when you know that they're alive 30 years down the road, right? <laughs> right. Is he going to make it? Gosh, I wonder, right? It's like, I the Titanic, not- don't sink, right? <laughs> <laughs> It's like Apollo 13. Don't blow up. Whatever you do, right? (laughs) Right. I know it just, it really felt like I was put in a dark room and whacked repeatedly with lightsabers, you know, as far as the CGI and all that went. Uh, And and CGI can be really beautiful if it's used with some delicacy and with, but everything was just so, I could barely figure out what was going on on the screen before they cut to something else. And they also had this, um, you know, shine the bright lights in your eyes thing. Like half the scenes, you'd get this just weird bright light showing up that would obscure people's faces. And it's just like, man, that's just really annoying. I didn't pay to have somebody poke lights in my eyes. And who was it who plays Spock's dad? He also seemed familiar, but he wasn't the guy who played Spock's dad originally. I guess he'd be too old if he's even alive. You know, it's it's not it wasn't Spock's father. Uh, even I, I think I assume they use the same actor or similar actor for the next generation because they had Spock's father come on that show once. But yeah, I think it would be different. Right, right. And uh, yeah, I mean, other than that, I just um, I, I just it just it just felt kind of hysterical, um, and not in a in a good way. You know, it's like. The the problem, I, I mean, I thought I thought what was good about the early Star Treks is that it wasn't um, uh, it wasn't so grandiose. I mean, the problem with the latest Star Treks always occurred when you know Earth is threatened, you know, the galaxy is going to explode, time will come to an end, and they started doing that with the Next Generation as well. You know, Q would be like, if you don't answer this question, the universe as you know it will come to it. Like it's just. It's too big, you know, whatever happened to the problems with triples, you know, like, I mean, that there was something that you could actually sort of, that wasn't so hysterical and planet busting and all that kind of stuff. They have to have the stakes so high, right? Sorry, go on. Um, well, yeah, that, that, that is something, uh, now, now that you bring it up, I mean, it, yeah, I mean, it makes a lot of sense. It's like, why why is it that the stakes are so high, right? Um, I've, yeah, I've, is, I have, sorry, go ahead. Uh, I was just saying, I don't know if there's like a, a room for a metaphor here, but, you know, is don't we get the same sort of thing uh, like with the environmentalists who say, oh, the planet's in danger, you know? Yes, yes, yes. No, that's absolutely right. It just It just feels so, so big. Uh, it just feels so. It, it feels too big, uh, and and just ridiculous. Like it's it's just hard to take take it seriously. And I don't know if I just become more cynical about this kind of stuff. But you know, the Earth is going to get blown up, and the universe is going to come to an end. You know, like it, it just seems kind of weird. Also, where did the Romulan guy get the red matter from? 
did he just have it hanging around his mining vessel in case he needed to end the universe or something? No, he well, grabbed he it from Spock. Yeah, he intercepted Spock's ship that time. Uh, which time? When he was waiting for him. You know, he like waited for him and then Spock arrived and then he burned him on that planet so he could, you know, watch. Oh, right. That's where he got the red matter from, right? right. Okay, got it, got it. Sorry. That, so they did, they did put that one together uh, fairly well. So, excellent. The whole fleet is in the Laurentian system. No defenses on the planet. For no Earth defenses. Here. Well, no, they had some subspace thing that they had to use the brain slug to get out of the guy. Oh, yeah, yeah, but that, that doesn't matter, right? I mean, where, where, where are the standby patrols? Where's the Coast Guard, so to speak? Oh, yeah, oh, no, of course. And, it, and you know, it's, it's the whole defense system uh, has no redundancy whatsoever. So the code that one guy gives you, you know, it's like uh, <laughs> shave and a haircut. You know, then what? Two bits. Oh, you're in, right? And now you can blow up the whole world. You know, it's just, it's too, every system has multiple layers, redundancies. You know, they, it, it's not just one guy. You put a brain slug in him, you get, it, but it, it, it just, if you're going to make the stakes so high, at least make the people who are defending the planet not completely retarded. Hmm. And I just, I, I think it's possible to care about people and not just planets. And I, I think I was just being asked to um, to care only about planets and not people uh, because there really were no people really in the film. You know, like if, if Spock or Kirk was trying to save his family or, you know, his friends, you know, that to me is something that I could really get into because we all have friends or whatever who we do a lot to save. But, you know, just anonymous planet people you know it just seems kind of uh um you know the 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 stakes are so high but the personal involvement is 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 so low that uh, it just it just didn't hit me emotionally i mean the film did not uh, hit me at all emotionally which was a real shame yeah they they like didn't establish any genuine emotional connection between any of the characters that i can remember no, no, that's very true. And I certainly didn't buy, um, you know, Uhuru's love of old stone-faced Spock, you know? No way. Yeah, that just totally was completely weird and awkward. Yeah, 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 no, it just felt, it, fe- it felt like her sorority sisters had dared her to kiss him or something. Like, it didn't really feel like anything <laughs> organic. It's like, oh, she's kissing Spock. Okay. Dear Star Trek Penthouse, I never thought this would happen to me, but... <laughs> yeah, during that, that dorm room scene when the girls were all, like, getting into their underwear and stuff, I, I turned to Rich and I was like, girls don't actually do this. What? <laughs> <laughs> that sort of reminds me, there's a great bit in uh, Seinfeld where... Um, <clears throat> he's uh, it, 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 Elaine becomes friends with George's, uh, with, uh, George's fiancé. And uh, he's like, no, so we're going to hang out together, she says. And oh, it's like, oh, so you're going to you're going to go home and <laughs> strip down to your brown panties and have a tickle fight. <laughs> Is that what you think female friends do? Yes. Yes, I do. <laughs> yeah, I just I can't imagine that um, the female roommates, you know, one of them's just lounging around in a bikini and the other one just comes home and starts stripping while chatting away about. Romulan defenses or whatever the hell she was babbling on about. It just seems kind of like, uh, and, and, you know, it, it must be tough for actresses because, you know, they're not dumb, right? And it must just be like, oh, okay. So I guess this is the audition. I can drop my pants. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, could they not say, look, I mean, 
I know this is a bit of a guy film and, you know, this, that and the other, but, you know, can, can, we, can we just do a little bit of something about the women? Yeah. But uh, I don't think that's really the, uh, that's really the point. Yeah, it was kind of weird. I thought, like, the original idea of Star Trek was to have, like, all this equality among the races and the genders, but, like, none of the principal players are female or of a different race, you know? Yeah, yeah, no, it's a tidy whitey section, right? And uh, the guy, why did the guy promote, like, basically Kirk went from a guy who was facing discipline, disciplinary action for cheating, right? Mm-hmm. to being promoted to second-in-command? Right, because then, then he could take over after he got Spock to punch his lights out, right? Yeah, that's a cricket-worthy um, moment. Wow. Isn't that, isn't like going, that going from, like, Congressional Page, who's been banned for stealing, to Vice President? But it, it gets even worse because later on he basically uh, beams himself on a moving st- uh, sh- spaceship. Then that's fine. Then basically threatened with court martial, court martial, and yet again promoted to captain because Spock resigns. And I mean that's even more ridiculous. Right, because he was actually yeah he was kicked off the vessel, basically told to walk the plank. Right. Uh, yeah. For mutiny, and then he's you know promoted, right? Well, because he's Captain Kirk's son. Yeah, Pike knew his father, but I still don't think that gets you from congressional page to vice president, you know, in in three seconds, right? I think there is a kind of, you have to work your way up, right? Right, I'm just saying that was like the film logic. Film logic, oh, okay. (laughs) You have the potential, son. That was the the, the very beginning with Enlist and all that business. You know, that was like, Kirk's 25 in 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 this film, right? And he's in his early 20s because he's in three years. He's in the academy, right? Well, not, not even early 20s. He's in his mid-20s from the very beginning. Oh, so he's like almost 30 when he became, takes command? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't know. Uh, I don't know the statistics, but you don't get uh, mid-20s going into the army very rarely. I mean, right? I mean, that just doesn't happen. Right, 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 right. And... um even okay, we got a bunch of people on the call here. I'm just sort of curious. Have you guys ever seen a bar fight? <laughs> no. 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 Anyone? Nope. Rich said yes. Sorry, I, I was actually going to bet that Rich hadn't, but you, Colleen, had started a few. But is that that's not, <laughs> that's not what's happened? Yeah, I've seen a couple. Colleen Ensom. Colleen ends them, right, because she strips down to her bra and panties and starts a tickle fight. Absolutely. I completely understand that. That's, and that actually is my way of fighting. I always go out of the house with bra and panties on underneath just in case something like that breaks out at the sorority. But sorry, go on. I was just saying, um, I have seen a couple, but it was in San Diego, and there's a lot of um, Army and Marines out there, and it was always between Army guys and Marine guys. Ah, right, right. And anyone else uh, has seen uh, a bar fight? No. 
it's just amazing because it's such a staple uh, in uh, in movies, right? That, that whenever there's a problem, right, you, some guy is chatting up some woman in a bar, and uh, and then some other guy comes up and says, "Is there a problem?" And then there's a, a big fight, right? And and I just <laughs> just believe that that actually happens in real life. I'm sure it does in some places, maybe you know, like some bars where I don't know, Hell's Angels hang out a lot, but it just seems. Uh, I mean, the the bar, it just, personally, frankly, it just seems kind of homoerotic to me, like a bunch of guys just wanting to touch each other but not knowing how to. So let's punch. I mean, that, that's all I can all I can come up with as far as as all of that goes. Right. Well, they are military guys. They are military guys. That's right. So uh, they want to bunk down together, right? Yeah. <laughs> Steph, you you're forgetting they want to get in their foxholes. Because on the one hand, these are, uh, well, cadets on a military academy, which maybe doesn't have that many women. And secondly, uh, who knows how far the political correctness laws have gone by uh, the 23rd century. So maybe it's illegal to chat up women or something. Right. But then they would arrest, right, rather than start a fight, right? At least that would be my first guess. But uh, it just, yeah, it, it seemed like a very... Um, it just seemed like a very, like, it's so many people get involved, like literally hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people are involved in the making of this, uh, in the making of this movie, right? And the costume. I mean, just, I, I mean, I've, obviously I've got no experience with anything like that, but I mean, having made even a tiny little film that I did, it's, you know, it's we had, we had like 30 or 40 or 50 people involved in just making a tiny film, There's hundreds and hundreds of people involved in this film. And it is to me always amazing the degree to which people don't just say, you know, this script, you know, can, can we, let's send it to a physicist. You know, physicists love Star Trek. They'd love to be a consultant on a Star Trek film. Let's just send this to a physicist so we're not just pulling stuff out of the Wikipedia article on quantum physics, jamming it together as if it makes some sense. You know, send us, let's send this to an astronomer and say, you know, well, we've got a supernova, you know, blah, 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 right? It, it, it amazes me the degree, because this is supposed to be science fiction. This is not fantasy, right? I understand that they're not going, but even Tolkien worked on the elven language, right? It always amazes me the degree to which they won't even try to bother to get any of the science right. Uh, and, and I think that was a little less the case in the older Star Treks, but in this, uh, uh, in this one, it was just, I mean, it was really comic book stuff uh, as far as the, the science went. And that to me was, this was just more, it was fantasy that had nothing to do with science whatsoever. Right. And I think that's yeah. be part of making it so incredibly commercial that they just don't care about details like that. But it's it's more than a detail. I mean, because it's supposed to be science fiction, right? So you, I think it's more than a detail if it's sort of a plot hinge or thing, you know, like that Romulan didn't know their sun was exploding or some sun was exploding and coming towards them creeping slowly, right? Oh, right. Um, Good point. Yeah, I mean, just, you know, raise the bar a little bit, you know, work just a little bit harder to to make it a little bit more believable so that anybody who knows a little bit about science isn't just going, you what? You what? Like, okay, so basically what they did was, and also to get out of this gravity well, they basically detonated a series of nuclear bombs underneath them. Yeah. <laughs> I mean... I tried that with a rocket launcher in Unreal Tournament. Didn't work so well. No, but it, it's weird because I mean, if the gravity well is so strong that it's literally cracking the ship apart, I gotta think that nuclear weapons going off or these dilithium explosions going off, you know, a mile or two behind them 
is going to do a little bit more than giving them a gentle push out of the gravity well. All right. <laughs> anyway, it just seems sort of a, you know, it's just, it's just like, it, to me, it's like take, throwing a couple of hand, hand grenades if you're caught in a bear trap, you know, under your foot. It's like, hey, I'm out of the bear trap and out of this world. They had to do something to make that quote unquote suspenseful moment. Right, I right. Think, I think that was another nod to another plot device in another show. Because um, you know, when they said that they had the whole thing where this is something you invented. Yeah. You know, right? This, 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 is, this is your, this is your uh, theory that you discovered. That's, that's ripped off from Star Trek, I think, four. Right, where they went to save the whales. So, <clears throat> which is, by the by, that's actually my the only one that I really liked. Yeah, I thought it's that not, was kind of cute. It, it's not so bad in that movie, but they have it ripped off, and it's kind of like, ugh, you know, because they they ripped off so many other things by that point. It, right. It, it you know it, it became less of a nod than it just became like, oh, here we go again. Here's another goddamn reference. Right. Right. And and uh, is it is it really? I mean, black holes are not something you pass through. It's the it's the ultimate something you don't pass through, right? It's the most incredibly compressed matter there is. It's not a gate. It's not a hole, right? People, oh, black hole. Well, you can pass through it, like you can, you know, pass through a hole, right? Um, but it's 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 the exact opposite of a hole, right? I mean, it's only a hole because light can't escape the gravity well of the matter that's so compact. But the idea that you can fly into a gravity well, uh, or fly, fly into a black hole and come out somewhere else is, you know, tr- you, you can't even do that with a, a tree knot, you know, like try running at a tree knot and see if you go back in time. <laughs> you really won't. You actually go forward in time because you'll be unconscious for a while. But uh, anyway. Just, that's, <laughs> and that's a really old, old uh, science fiction plot device. Just basically go through a black hole and go back in time. Yeah, I guess it okay. means that they don't have to strap in more expensive stuff to themselves to make it look like time travel. Yeah. I mean, usually, I mean, nowadays, I think even in like the television series uh, or like just science fiction television series now, you know, they they use a black hole, but it's, they, they use like the energy or something they can draw off of it in order to create the black hole you know, to create this time travel thing or something, you know, uh, someone has just written, um, actually some scientists do claim that black holes can result in wormholes in time travel. Right. I've read some of that sort of speculative stuff. I don't know that there's been a whole bunch of peer-reviewed <laughs> journals on that. That's just, you know, like a bunch of weird mathematical LSD shit. But anyway, I'm obviously no scientist, so it, I've just never seen it anywhere. Anyway, sorry, go ahead. Right. But they don't even say they're going through a wormhole. They just say they're going through a black hole. Right. 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 Like not even <laughs> a little bit. <sighs> they barely even say it. They just show the pictures. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> Right. It's the first spaceship I've seen that really needs to see a dentist. That mining ship. <laughs> it's just these monster <laughs> teeth, you know? Looks like I something out of it. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I was disappointed that it was Romulans. It just didn't make any sense to me. Oh, why is you that? Know? Well, I mean, I, I don't, I'm not like a huge fan. I, I'm Obviously, I, I know too many details, probably for my own good, but... Romulans always seem to be the, um, you know, yeah, they're the they're the bitter enemies of all things that live, but it just seemed to be like he's kind of like you said earlier, too grandiose, too much. Like 
this ship that's this compared to the starship, like the size of a planet, practically, right? It's the size of a small moon. This mining right. ship, right? Like that doesn't make it didn't make any sense to me at all. Even even throughout the movie, as this thing was flying around, it just didn't make any sense. Lucas already did that. Did what? Sorry, what? Luke, Lucas already did the uh, spaceship the size of a moon. Right, right. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yes, he already did that. But That's I actually true. think, uh, just as James was talking, though, the, the idea struck me that I think I have gotten the, um, the emotional message of the movie. Hmm. And I'm going to share it with you so that we can all hug. The emotional message of the movie, I do believe, is this. A failure to mourn results in aggression. Oh, interesting. Hmm. And I think that's probably what they started with. We'd like to make a movie about the failure to mourn resulting in aggression. Let's go with Star Trek. Because <laughs> the Romulan guy didn't mourn the death of his wife, right? Right. And so he ends up... Destroying planets. Doing some horribly phallic thing to, to Vulcan, Right. 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 If that guy's not compensating for something, I don't know if anyone is compensating for anything, because my God, that was a hell of a long drill bit. <laughs> and so he ends up going like all kinds of nutty crazy, right? Let me show you my power tools. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Kirk doesn't seem to mourn his dad, and he's very aggressive, right? He certainly doesn't mourn his leaving his mom. He doesn't even seem to notice that she was there. Right. Right. Now, Spark doesn't mourn the passing, but the, the, the passing of his mother, right? Right. And then he yeah. ends up getting all kinds of crazy on Kirk, right? After Kirk pushes buttons, but yeah, yeah. Yeah, but but no, because the two times that he blew up was about his mother, right? Was as a kid, right? That she's a, a whore, I think they called him, and then right, right. Uh, uh, you never even loved her, right? Yeah, right. And then he had his Norman Bates moment on Kirk, right? Yeah. Failure right. to mourn, right? See? Failure to mourn. Uhuru failed to mourn the demise of her acting career in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> and so she kissed Spock. <laughs> I'm telling you, yes. <laughs> You're with me. You're with me. You see it, right? <laughs> Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm with you with everything else, at least. <laughs> right. 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 Yeah, that is a really common thread in the movie. And why is it that in space you need nine-foot eyelashes? Thrusters. <laughs> right. Maybe they, uh, you know, they allow you to turn corners more quickly by banking. I'm not sure exactly. <laughs> Man, I couldn't, I couldn't stop watching Spock's nose and, and Uhuru's eyelashes. They were she pretty... had the 60s, 60s faux Egyptian thing going on, too, with her eye, eye shadow. That I was crazy. That was a, you know what? That was a nod to Amy Winehouse, who also has a problem with mourning and aggression. The layers in this movie wow. Ooh, are, getting... are deep, 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 baby. I'm going to go back and see it again, but backwards. <laughs> <laughs> you can turn on The Wizard of Oz? <laughs> right. I just well, I, I, I kept thinking that... early early on in the film when is the best time to start Dark Side of the Moon. 
Sorry, since, there's all that, since there's all that time travel, watching it in either direction should result in exactly the same plot line, right? Exactly. <laughs> Actually, I think that watching it randomly scrambled would result in exactly the same plot line fundamentally. <laughs> well, I, I feel vindicated now. Go on. I was mulling all day whether to bother going or not, and I was really leaning towards not, and then I finally decided not. Now I'm glad well, I didn't. I would say that, uh, you know, when, when even with the CGI eye candy, when you're like, okay, is this thing done? Is this thing done? Now? 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 Then, yeah, you're definitely, uh, you know, it's like, it's like when you're watching fireworks and it's been going on for three days, and it's like, okay, come on. Like, I mean, it's light out, it's sun, let's just stop this, this stuff and go home. Right, my eardrums are bleeding. Can we stop now? <laughs> I, I am weeping for the death of my culture. Uh, have you won? <laughs> Can we right. stop? Now, do you think this is going to revive the franchise? Do you think this is... Uh, it's been doing really well, hasn't it? It made like... Oh, yeah. $75 million in a week or whatever? Yeah, Rich's whole theory was like that they specifically made this movie to revive the franchise. And I think that's why they used the alternate... Um, alternate reality. reality plot because now they can kind of go on any direction they want with it. Oh, you mean so, uh, and that they also needed that to bring Spock back, didn't they? Yeah, they did. They needed because they couldn't get Spock back uh, unless... Uh, uh, and they probably didn't want Shatner back because they'd need a fisheye lens and you'd need IMAX to... Win. But um, they needed Spock back and they couldn't do that without time travel, right? Oh, they wanted... Because he, is, he, is he... James Doohan has died, right? Yes. Uh, yeah. Doohan's died... Um, DeForest Kelly died like decades ago, right? Because he was pretty old when the series was going on. Yeah. yeah uh, Uhuru is still alive, right? Right. Yeah, but she she's not show, she's she's not going to be showing up in any movies, I don't think. Why? Oh, I'm mean, just saying. Well, I saw I saw the roast, and you know she's she's not like as far gone as Shatner, but she's not that far behind. Oh, you mean just in terms of like age taking its toll, kind of thing? I think so. I mean, right, right. Right. I could be wrong about that, but that's that's sort of my opinion. Um, yeah, so I think Spock's the only one that could come back, and he, of course, is the most uh, is the most popular character, I think. And he also he still looks. I mean, he looks great uh, overall. I mean, he's uh, he still looks pretty much like he did in the sixties, just a bit more etched, right? Yeah, yeah. Still, same haircut. But uh, yeah, so yeah, I, I, I'm sure it will. Uh, but I think I think I'm done. I think I don't think it'll lure me out to to see another one. Yeah, I, was, I was pretty tired of the movies, in, you know, of the Star Trek movies in general. You know, even with the new generation cast. I, I got to say, and I don't know why this is though. It seems to me that television is so much smarter than movies these days. Hmm. Totally agree. Yeah. Like the stuff that I'm watching on TV, um, uh, House is is intelligent and psychologically insightful, and I'm all over it because of the Miko system references, right? So I, I like it from that standpoint. Uh, but it's 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 intelligent and it's uh, it's uh, it's got very witty uh, and and uh, thoughtful lines to it. Um, mm. I'm trying to think what else. Have you seen the show uh, Lie to Me yet? Yeah, yeah, that's a clever show. I, I like the details, uh, and it's also quite instructive on on facial expressions and it's clever and so on. Um, so I've, I've seen a couple of those. They, those were enjoyable. Um, yeah, Christine is a big lost fan. Uh, so we watch that and I go, what, what, what? <laughs> I'm lost. Anyway, 
Um, but uh, um, I was it there was a joke that uh, said uh, I can't remember who some comedian made this joke. I said, uh, "Yeah, Lost has apparently been renewed for a fifth season," and the writers are all like, "Fuck." <laughs> <laughs> But um, uh, so, but but Lost is you know I, I don't know Lost is a bit more sort of brain candy. But um, uh, House is House is a pretty good show for sure. And and uh, uh, other stuff that I've been watching, I can't sort of remember it now. But uh, Big is, Bang Theory. Uh, the last four or five episodes of House have been uh, infuriating to me. <laughs> oh, why's that? Well, with the with the uh, suicide of Cutner and everything, uh, that whole episode just to me was um, uh, uh, completely. Um, I, I can't put a word to it, but um, I, I just found uh, the way that they disposed of him uh, to be completely. Um, oh, it was stupid. It was completely ridiculous. But I just assumed the actor. And yeah, all but... the characters and all the characters, uh, I mean, completely slip into this sort of uh, self-indulgent narcissism. And after that, I was just, I was so disgusted. I wasn't even going to watch the show anymore after that. Uh, yeah, what happened to the actor? Did did he just ask for too much money? And they're like. Fuck you! We can bump you off like you wouldn't believe. No, no he, he actually <laughs> left the show to work on uh, the Obama campaign. Oh, that's a good move. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> I think he's actually part of the administration to some extent, isn't he? He's Kumar from Harold and Kumar, by the way. I can't believe that somebody's working on the Obama campaign who had the line when somebody told him that he should go to medical school because he was so smart. He said, just because you have a big dick doesn't mean you have to do porn. I mean, if that guy's working for Obama, I'm, <laughs> I'm pretty impressed because that's a pretty long way to travel. I, I thought, not, not, to, not to get too far into house or anything, but I thought that it was interesting that he was, he was sort of like disposed of in that way in, on house because it's kind of, you know, not that going to politics is a definite career killer, but it kind of, you know, I think, I think it's going to be a hard time for anyone else to actually get used to seeing him on screen. If he ever does want to come back. It certainly could be. Yeah. I mean, it would be uh, a little weird and it's such a shame too. Like what the hell has Schwarzenegger done with the last couple of years of his life other than fight with unions and wave his broadsword around in meetings. It's ridiculous, right? Yeah, right. Right. I mean, so I mean, the the fiscal bullshit of that is California is just going to fade into history. But he could have made some very entertaining films. I mean, he he usually made quite enjoyable films, and uh, that could have actually done something useful for the planet in terms of people's enjoyment, rather than you know people always want to go and do big things when they should just, in my opinion, stick with what actually gives people the most pleasure. But anyway, hmm. True Lies was pretty good, but since then I can't remember a single film that I, of his that I enjoyed. <laughs> Well, he's been the governor for a decade now, hasn't he? Perhaps. I thought I thought Terminator Three was enjoyable. I mean, to me, that kind of action stuff is enjoyable because I kind of care about the character. You actually, care, at least I actually sort of cared about the characters. So it's, uh, uh, but yeah, I think after the, uh, he hasn't done anything. Is it, is it ten years he's been doing that now? Uh, it was in the early aughts, wasn't it? I mean, yeah, I think so. Oh two, oh three. Yeah, not not quite ten years, but it's it's, it's getting there. It's it's getting on. Yeah. <laughs> Which means they keep reelecting him. <laughs> yeah, well, I guess uh, I guess he'll stick around as long as he can. So, but yeah, I've just, I've just sort of noticed that the stuff that's on television, uh, even Grey's Anatomy, it's another show that Christina likes more than I do. But even that has some 
again, good Miko system stuff, some good psychological insights, uh, uh, although the relationships are obviously highly dysfunctional. But uh, um, it's just it's it's smarter and more satisfying than just about anything that I see in the movies. Uh, we saw um, when we went to the Mommies and Me, um, we saw uh, the Matthew McConaughey film that just came out. What's it called? Uh, Jennifer Garner, Matthew McConaughey, he gets visited by a ghost of girlfriend's past. And mm. uh, I, was, uh, I, I don't laugh at, uh, I mean, I get more laughs in one episode of Scrubs than I do in just about every mainstream comedy I've seen over the past, I, don't, I didn't even know how long. Scrubs is fantastic. I, love a, I mean, that's a very funny show because it's very unpredictable, right? And, and it's, it's got a, it does a very fine line between realism and fantasy. Oh, yeah. So, uh, so I, just, I just find the comedy is funnier, the drama is usually deeper, and uh, the, the, the dialogue is better, the acting is better. Uh, and I think it's partly because they can't do all this CGI, right? They, they were doing house before house was doing house. Huh? <laughs> the, the the older doctor uh, on Scrubs, uh, a lot of his sarcasm is oh, yeah. very similar to to House. I yeah, watch those two true. shows now, and it's it's like, oh, I've heard that before. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, he's a great actor. That guy, he's really that's a fantastic role. He'll probably never get a role that good again in his career. But yeah, so I mean, I just, I gravitate a little bit more towards television. Well, obviously, since uh, having Isabella, but uh, I gravitate a lot more towards uh, TV in terms of quality than, and, and TV has the additional problems of commercials, right? And it's still uh, usually funnier and better. Uh, Two and a Half Men uh, is usually a lot funnier than just about any means. I certainly laugh more in the 20 minutes of that show than I do uh, in an entire Matthew McConaughey film, which, you know, may not be too shocking, but... Uh, uh, that was supposed to be the big budget comedy. Yeah. Um, I, I, go ahead. Sorry. Um, I, I think there are some pretty good reasons why TV is getting so much better because, um, well, you, you know your audience better. You have like more time to build your characters. You can mm. try weird stuff and it, it's, it's easier to run a pilot and see how it goes and then to make a mainstream movie who costs so much more money and which just can just go for a niche uh, audience, but has to please more people. So um, I guess it's a bit um, a different market just. Yeah, I, th- I, mean, I think you're right. I think there's a lowest common denominator in films. And I really felt this was the case with the Star Trek film, that it was just a lowest common denominator thing. Everything seemed predictable. Uh, everything seemed cliched. Um, even the quieter bits where the characters were talking uh, just seemed kind of stupid. Uh, like not, it did nothing meaningful, you know, like, uh, you should forget your logic and you should trust your instinct. And it just, there was no insight, no meaning or no depth. And I think it's just lowest common denominator. Um, and, and TV, you're right. It can go more towards a, a, a higher IQ demographic. I mean, I would oh. imagine like you have to write for a particular group, age group, right. And, and you have to not use words that they can't understand unless they're science words, which they're not supposed to understand because they make no sense. Right. But I think you like literally have to you have to write to a grade six level when you're aiming for uh, this this kind of Star Trek film. Well, who's my demographic? Well, who goes to the movies most? So it's young men uh, or whatever people who are in their early to mid teens on dates, and they have you know for the most part you got to aim for grade six or grade seven vocabulary and nothing overly taxing in terms of complexity uh, and. Uh, <clears throat> 
yeah. and they may not notice the logic holes of the plot or whatever. It's just like, you know, it's because it, all it is, it's an excuse to put one action scene together to the next. But Sorry, someone's saying. Oh, I was just going to say, now I understand the, like, cheering at our theater because, you know, we're in the South. Ah, well, was it cheering and gunshots or just cheering? <laughs> cheering and gunshots is Australia. Well, a few shots in the air. Right. Little square dancing. <laughs> right, right. Also, there's a great deal more competition in uh, in television arena these days with with a lot of the the private cable networks doing their own shows now, and also with uh, internet uh, video outlets now and and uh, video distributions. Um, there's just a lot more um, competition for eyeballs, so I think that tends to raise the bar. I think that's true, and, and, and te- television shows, because they now have the, the internet rentals and DVD rentals of the seasons, uh, they can pay writers more, which usually you hope would attract better writers, and it seems to be. Uh, certainly the comedies uh, that uh, are around now seem to be funnier and wittier than the comedies that were around when I was, uh, when I was younger. So uh, I think that's partly the economics of it as well, that there's just, they, can, they can get many more residuals out of a television show than they used to be able to, which is, so guess what, the writer's strike was all about last year. Um, the writers are not that well paid, but there are so many writers that it's basically, in a, as in good capitalism, the, the best will get filtered out. Um, one thing, I recently heard a lecture about uh, the change in quality, and this guy actually used Lost as an, as an example, and basically showed how the different generations um, have, have now different uh, viewing uh, expectations. So in the 80s, you had like 18 MacGyver and just one guy or a few guys doing stuff and simple to follow episodes and these days you have Lost and Battlestar Galactica which have so complicated plots that it's really difficult to grasp but the the current generation um, gets through and kind of expects that. That's very interesting. Yeah, I mean certainly um, I mean the generations keep getting smarter so that would make sense. I think also because the way that these shows are consumed now they can aim for them to be consumed in a more compressed way. Like if you get a DVD, you can watch it through and not get as confused. Uh, so they also have to aim for it a little bit in the future. If they go over too much of the previous plot every sh- every time, then they lose out on fewer on future sales, I think, because people will find it more redundant. But yeah, I, I think that the, the plots are much more complicated than uh, than they used to be, which I think is, is, is a good testament to people's intelligence, but uh, uh, certainly helps me understand how the younger generation is smarter than me because I lose a little track of what's going on. But but what I do find is that there doesn't seem to be a lot of drama in these shows except for gunplay, right? And that's that's what I don't like about Lost and I don't like about Prison Break, uh, which is I thought that uh, the, the, the first season of Lost I thought was, personally, I just thought was great because you had all of these stories about how people got to the island. And uh, uh, there was a lot of human interest in that. And uh, I thought that was really interesting. But now it's just about, you know, who's now going to hold a gun to your head. And and that seems to me, again, it just it just has to keep escalating, keep escalating, keep escalating uh, to the point where now it's just a whole series of, you know, people shooting at each other and guns to the heads and so on. And I just find for me that I just lose interest very quickly when that sort of stuff occurs. And I always wish they'd sort of keep their restraint going. You know, it's like when you listen to some... Uh, garage band or some grunge band and they have a really pretty melody and a really complicated bit of music at the beginning that's quite pleasing and then you just know they're going to unleash this mudslide of guitar sound at it and start pounding away 
from this early ballot. And you're like, don't do it, don't do it. Oh, you went and did it. And uh, that's the way that this seems to escalate with art so often is that they just can't, it's like they just have to overstimulate everyone, which is, you know, as Nietzsche said, it's kind of the hallmark of decadence when you need that level of stimulation to feel something. It's one of the reasons why I appreciate the, the lie to me show because there's so much um, psychological intrigue in, in the plots that they don't need a lot of gunplay. In fact, I don't think there's been any gunplay in the shows that I've seen. Yeah, I, uh, there have been a couple of uh, rough prison scenes and things like that, but nothing like serious, like OK Corral shootouts. Right, right. That really seems to be the... Um, uh... Yeah, that that and and it, it was true for a prison break. I thought the first season was very good. You know, it's a, all. I mean, there was a lot of violence in the prison, but it was more the threat of violence, and it was more um, uh, the the sort of maneuvering to get out of prison. And then when they're out of prison, they're just running around getting shot, and it just seemed kind of less interesting, uh, less complex, less rich. Yeah, the second season uh, came became about. Um, Evading the predator, as opposed to yeah, breaking yeah. And the second season wasn't yeah. bad either. Um, when they started, I can't remember when they started getting. Oh yeah, then they were in some prison in Mexico. I lost interest sort of there, and then this new one is about trying to get this Scylla thing, and it's just running around and getting shot and stuff, and it just it just seems kind of kind of dumb. But and, and usually a show is on its last legs when that stuff starts to happen. Yeah, they should. They probably should have left it off at. Uh... After the second season, if because uh, because of the word they went, well, but you know, I mean, they they, they made the money they wanted, right? So well, should have good for them, <laughs> should have, right? you know. <laughs> yeah, ideally, you know, the audience would have yeah. not uh, not had it go on for I don't know how many seasons it's been going on for now, but uh, five. Isn't it fourth? What? I think it's yeah. fourth right now. But yeah, I'm certainly looking forward to. I mean, it, it, in the fall, I mean. No idea what shows are coming up, but it certainly would be nice if there's something really, you know, smart and and uh, and uh, complex to to follow. Because uh, uh, I certainly have enjoyed some of the more complex shows that have been coming out lately. Mm. Challenging though they may be. <laughs> um, I, I watched a few episodes of The Big Bang Theory today, and uh, well, that's a masterpiece of, of a niche show because I mean it, it can only apply to geeks uh, or to people who live as geeks or something, but. There's so many science jokes in there that uh, I, I guess many, many people just wouldn't get it. Right, right. No, I think I think that is true. And that is a – I find the show a little bit depressing to be really funny because you just know these lives aren't going to change. Um, so I just – I do find that a bit depressing to be really funny. But uh, uh, definitely uh, I find that the Sheldon character is, is really well done. I think we've all known someone like that <laughs> one time or another. Don't believe I've ever seen an episode. Oh yeah, it's worth uh, it's worth having a look. Sure, oh, cool. I'll take a peek. All right. Um, Sorry, go one, on. The, uh, it's, it's a great show. I mean, I, I heard it after Steph recommended it, basically. But for one, the science jokes they make make sense, and <laughs> this is, it's the same writer. Uh, Chuck Law is the same, the same writer as on Two and a Half Men, but. It's like they really dug out all the trivia knowledge they had regarding to science, and there's so much stuff in, in it. Um, I sometimes have to look it up. I have to look up new words. Um, you, I, I guess uh, most of us would find it pretty entertaining just from the um, jokes they make. 
Well, I mean, I don't understand half the science references, but those that I do make sense. And that's that's because they've got someone, you know, helping them with the show, which, is, you know, it's great, you know, because, you know, it's like when you're in computers and, and anytime they show anything to do with computers on a show, it's just like eye rollingly not even close to accurate. Uh, and it's real nice to be able to do it more quickly. Yes, uh, the graphical interface to the virus uh, installation. <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, like, uh, yeah, that's right. You, you you insert the USB key and you take over the network, right? And it's just like, oh, man, I hurt inside. What I what I don't understand is all the the whizzing and the beeping and the squealing that's going on on the screen when, when text is coming up. Is that, does anybody have a computer that does that? <laughs> no. Uh, that is the answer. Beep, 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 beep. It's probably, it's probably, it's probably a Mac or something. Actually, I think it's a Sinclair ZX80. Uh, it was oh. the last computer to do that. <laughs> oh. <laughs> the aliens in ID4 used uh, Mac-compatible computers, so I guess they're pretty uni- universal. That's right. That's right. All right. Well, I'm uh, I'm going to get ready for bed. Uh, I had another one of these early dad mornings, so I'm gonna. Uh, but I really do appreciate the chat. It was uh, good to uh, good to vent about the track. <laughs> So uh, thanks, yeah, everybody. Have a great it's night. About, it's about time they put a bullet into that whole series, I think. Yeah, let's open up some new brain cells. I think, it, you know, it, it, this combing over old stuff is really starting to get old itself. I think we need some new myths, right? Yeah. That was definitely. an excellent reference. And what was? Combing, combing over. over. <laughs> All right, you're on my list. What? The list of, the list of infamy. Oh, sorry. I thought I thought you were talking about Kirk. Oh, comb-overs. Oh. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, that's it. I was. That's it. I'm going to leave on that. It was brilliant. <laughs> All right. Thanks, guys. Good night. Good night. Bye.